Friday. You four guys that uh, I met Paul said, Do you want to join the band? You know? And then George joined. And then Ringo joined. We were just a band who made it very, very big. If the Beatles had never broken up, what sort of music would they have made? It's a question that many people have pondered and argued, but none of us can know for sure. Or can we? What you're listening to is a Beatles song from their album Everyday Chemistry. Never heard of it? No one has. At least not in our universe. The internet has facilitated new myths traveling faster and further than ever before. Here we explore them and question what they mean to us. I'm your host, Luke Brown, and this is Modern Myths and Legends. When I was 12, I was discovering music for myself. That meant beyond what the local radio stations played. Country? Adult Contemporary. What can I say? It was a crossover hit. Grunge had taken hold of me, and like so many others bit with the music bug, I wasn't content to merely listen. I wanted to play. Having no knowledge or aptitude, I turned to the only person I knew who could teach me. My father. He was, to put it mildly, delighted that his son was taking an interest in music. While he would guide my clumsy fingers over the guitar's fretboard, he'd search for common musical ground for discussion. Which there was none. I had zero interest in his oldies acts, and whenever I mentioned the genius of Nirvana, he'd counter with, nah, the Beatles did that first. You'd really like them. Give them a listen. I'd roll my eyes. I wasn't going to listen to his old vinyl when I had amazing cassette tapes. But he persisted. And when it was announced that there was to be a series of Beatles specials airing, I was informed we would be watching them. Together. Now, my father is a low-key guy, but as these specials, called The Beatles Anthologies, grew near to airing, he became visibly excited. The series would be accompanied by three double albums featuring alternate takes, demos, rejected songs, live performances, and interviews. But the thing that had people really buzzing was the promise of three new songs. Paul, George, and Ringo were to take some Lennon demos and finish them in the studio. The first new Beatles songs in 25 years were about to be released. My father wasn't alone in his excitement about these songs. That fall, the Beatles were inescapable. They were on the cover of every newspaper and magazine. Every news program was dedicating time to hyping the upcoming documentaries. On the night the first episode aired, I sat on the floor in front of the TV, guitar nearby so I could jam on it when boredom inevitably set in. But that never happened. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles! That night, I became a Beatles fanatic. I went all in, buying the anthology albums, repeatedly watching the documentaries, listening to my father's old records. I finally understood why my dad kept saying the Beatles did it first. Sidebar. In truth, we all know that there was very little that they actually did first. They borrowed heavily from other artists to fuse together their favorite elements into something new, but they were always the first to popularize it. Suddenly, the power chords I learned to emulate Nirvana were skipped over in favor of learning the full chords featured in Beatles songs. My father would sit patiently and help me navigate my fingers across the strings. Often, I'd interrupt his demonstrations to regale him with the wittiest bits from Beatles press conferences. I didn't know that musicians could be anything other than sullen. The Beatles were hysterical. Did you want to get a haircut at all? No. No, 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 thanks. I had one yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Not 
He'd chuckle as if he never heard them before. As an adult, I realize he had certainly heard all those witty comments before. Probably when they actually happened, but he laughed nonetheless like it was new. I don't know if this was to humor me or if he genuinely still found them funny. In the end, it doesn't really matter because of what it gave me. Like many other 12-year-olds, I was losing my bond with my father. The Beatles extended this bond slightly beyond the expected shelf life. In truth, it was the last meaningful bonding I did with my father until I reached adulthood. I continued to devour every Beatles recording until one day... There was nothing left to devour. As much as I took joy in re-listening to their material as sadness set in, I would never again experience a Beatles song for the first time. Ultimately, the excitement surrounding the anthology's tracks was a reflection of other people's sadness about this exact same issue. After 25 years of waiting, people were going to get three new Beatles songs, only which two of were actually delivered, but in essence, the anthologies briefly gave us a glimpse of what might have been. So, in 2009, when a website appeared called thebeatlesneverbrokeup.com, myself and many other Beatles fans took notice. The landing page says, Because of the nature of what has happened, I must remain anonymous until I feel it is safe to reveal my real name. But for now, you can refer to me as James Richards. On September 9th, 2009, I came into the possession of a cassette tape containing a Beatles album that was never released. In fact, not only was it never released, but it was recorded many years after they broke up. Richards goes on to say that while on a drive through the desert, he let his dog out of his car for a pee. His dog started chasing after a rabbit. Richards, therefore, started chasing after his dog. While attempting to chase down his dog, he tripped and knocked himself unconscious. When I woke up, I was in a room with some furniture and electronics in it. I was taken care of with a bandage on my head, but I still felt uneasy about the situation because where I fell and hit my head was in a very rural, unpopulated area with no houses, and outside the window of the room I could hear traffic. I wasn't near the window in the room. It was actually on the other side next to an unusual-looking electronic machine that I didn't recognize from anywhere I've seen before. The only reason this stood out was because it seemed out of place in a person's home, which most of the room resembled. I decided to get up and look out the window, but the door opened and in ran my dog, who was pretty excited to see me. When I looked up, there was a man standing at the door. He was about six feet tall, had medium-long black hair, and was dressed casually nice, but gave me a greasy vibe, if you know what I mean. He introduced himself as Jonas and asked me if I was okay, which I said yes. He said he found me unconscious in a field with my dog barking at me, so I thanked him for helping me and my dog out, and that I was surprised my dog even came back to me. I then asked him the question that would make me start wondering if I, in fact, had gone crazy. I asked him, Where am I? About 20 feet away from where I found you, he replied. I told him that couldn't be possible because there were no houses within at least 20 miles from where I last remember being. He then told me that what he was going to say next will be very shocking and unbelievable and that if he didn't actually experience it himself, then he wouldn't believe it. 
He took a look at the machine near the window and looked back at me and said he transported me into parallel Earth. He said he traveled to our Earth dimension and found me knocked out in the blazing heat with nobody around to help me out. Normally, he said he doesn't take outsiders through a portal, but in my case, he thought I needed urgent help. This story is already bonkers, but nothing out of the ordinary from an anonymous website. It's here where we get to the crux of why this particular story took off. We talked about a lot. It was interesting to see what similarities and differences we had between worlds. Foods, culture, TV, technology. We also started talking about music, which was an interesting topic because there were many of the same bands between our worlds that existed, including the Beatles. When their name got brought up, Jonas mentioned that his brother just got back from seeing them perform at a concert recently, which I gave a weird look to and said, you mean they are still together? And he said, yeah. I then told him about how they broke up in our world and that John and George passed away. Apparently in his world, they are all alive, healthy, and on tour still. Jonas then had me follow him into another room that had a bookshelf-looking thing with some cassette tapes. Yes, the music ones, apparently CDs, never caught on in his world. The only Beatles album he had that was store-bought and had real cover art was Sgt. Pepper's, which the cover looked slightly different than the one we have, but the songs were all the same. The other six Beatles tapes he had were all like somebody recorded them onto a blank cassette for him and wrote the song titles on a card slipped in the case. A couple of the album titles written on the tapes I recognized, but there were about four that I had never heard of. He played a few songs from one of them, which was totally surreal to hear Beatles music that was never made, at least in our world. He popped out the first tape and was putting in the second one when I told him he should record me a copy of one so I could take it back with me, thinking it wouldn't be a big deal. Well, the look Jonas gave me when I said this is part of the reason I am remaining anonymous. No, you are not to take anything with you when you go back to your world. No pictures, no souvenirs, no tapes, nothing. I asked him why, and he wouldn't really say except that for my safety, I wasn't to take anything back. Naturally, the moment Jonas had his back turned, Richards pocketed one of the cassettes. It was labeled Everyday Chemistry. Upon Richards returning to our universe, he uploaded the album to thebeatlesneverbrokeup.com for everyone to listen to free of charge. It didn't take long for Richards' website to gain traction. Media outlets and Beatles fans alike, while doubtful of the veracity of the story, eagerly gave the album a listen. What they found wasn't exactly new, but instead 37 recordings from the Beatles' solo careers compiled and remixed into 11 new tunes. When this was angrily brought to Richard's attention, he responded with, The only conclusion I can come up with is, even though in the alternate universe the Beatles hadn't broken up, that didn't mean their future music ideas disappeared. Fair enough, right? It's a plausible explanation. But Richards had promised the most passionate fandom in the world something new, and when they didn't get it, they became hostile. Message boards and media outlets alike all said the same thing. Yes, this may be the solo members' work remix, but this music doesn't sound like the Beatles. The Beatles never would have used effects and instrumentations like that. 
Ultimately, Richards was painted as a wacko, taking advantage of people's desire to hear the Beatles again just to get attention and make some money. So why do people care so much about Richards' claims in the album he uploaded? Well, it's because, musically speaking, the Beatles never let us down. Number nine. Okay, so they let us down that once. While one can debate which Beatles songs are lesser or which albums are a least favorite, their work remained consistently excellent and innovative. Each album revealed something new sonically. Even the artwork changed the perception of what an album sleeve could be. Between albums, fans would eagerly debate what the next album would sound like. What ground would the band break next? The Beatles called it quits before they could disappoint us. Fans never had the chance to yawn and say, yeah, but they haven't done anything good since. Collectively, our imaginations still run rampant with questions about what may have been. All hope of this ever becoming reality were ended on December 8th, 1980, when Mark David Chapman took John Lennon's life. While the Beatles didn't let us down, their solo careers are a different matter. While each of them had, or continue to have, successful albums, they've never achieved the artistic or commercial heights of the Beatles. How could they? As a band, the crap was much easier to filter out or bury under something innovative. A solo album is a different matter. When listening to any of their solo efforts, it's almost impossible to not question how it would sound different if the other three contributed. Each effort is seen through the lens of what might have been instead of what is. The closest we'll ever come to new Beatles songs are Free as a Bird and Real Love, the much-hyped and promised new songs on Anthologies 1 and 2. Anthology 3 was missing its promised track. The first two songs had taken it out of the reunited Beatles, there was a recurring argument in the studio. Paul, when discussing the recording process of Free as a Bird, had this to say. I felt the song shouldn't be pulled in any way. It should stay very Beatles. It shouldn't get to sound like me solo or George solo or Ringo for that matter. It should sound like a Beatles song. The Beatles, known for breaking new ground and never sounding the same, couldn't agree on what the Beatles sound like. The argument grew so intense that they abandoned the third song altogether. Which brings me back to James Richards. Most of the criticism towards Richards were about his story. The few who did initially listen to the album generally complained about everyday chemistry not sounding like something the Beatles would have ever done. But when the Beatles can't agree on what the Beatles sound like, how can we? While there are genuine reasons for questioning his story, they all overlook one thing. The album itself. In the years following the initial release, people have taken time to listen closely to the album, and appreciation has grown. It may be comprised of songs we already know, but they are remixed and paired with new instrumentation to be blended into something original. The comments on the YouTube channel, while expressing disbelief at his story, generally fall into praise for the album. Many a commenter, professing to be an audio engineer, apparently there are an abundance of audio engineers on YouTube, marvel at the technical complexity of blending together so many songs in different keys and tempos. Others have simply found joy in hearing how the remix allowed the Beatles to reunite. Richards, or the Parallel Universe Beatles, whichever you're inclined to believe, by not limiting themselves to what they had done in the past, were able to make something fully new. Something that, for all we know, the real Beatles might have actually done. Everyday Chemistry was released for free. No financial gain was made by James Richards, nor did it launch a lucrative career as a musician-slash-arranger. His story hurts no one. In fact, quite the opposite. It's brought joy to people's lives while they dissect it. To those who continue to deride him for his story, I wish to remind them of Sgt. Pepper. Sgt. Pepper is an album where the Beatles pretend to be a fictional band in order to give themselves freedom to experiment musically by releasing them from their image as the Beatles. 
no one for a moment thought that the Beatles were actually this fictional band. Listeners took it for what it was. With this in mind, why do we have to take James Richards so literally? Whoever Richards is, he presented a far-fetched story in order to give us the freedom to imagine what the Beatles might have sounded like had they stayed together. In the spring of 2009, I had become a ghost of my former self. Both my mental and physical health had deteriorated to the point where my doctor insisted I make immediate changes to my life or risk the consequences. My only viable option was to give up my job and my life in Halifax and move back home to Bible Hill to live with my dad. I dreaded it. My dad and I didn't have a great deal in common and, as you may have guessed from the name, there's not a lot to do in Bible Hill. Over the course of the four months I was home, my father and I would go for country drives or long walks. Talking about my feelings has never been my thing, so we discussed the Beatles. Through this, I found a way of communicating where I was and how I was doing, and somehow he understood. It reminded me a lot of being 12. Slowly, I felt myself coming back to life. Oncoming traffic in the kitchen knives lost their appeal. When a job offer came that would require me to move 2,000 kilometers away, I knew I had to take it. As my dad helped me pack up my car, I couldn't help but wonder what would happen to our recently rekindled bond. The move was lonely. I knew next to no one and making new friends has never been my strong suit. There were so many nights sitting alone in my unfurnished bare-walled apartment that I questioned why I had left behind the tiny bit of stability I had. It was on one of these nights I stumbled upon everyday chemistry. It was like a sign pointing me to reach out to talk to someone, a specific someone. I picked up my phone and called my dad. I told him all about it, the whole story, how it mirrored Sergeant Peppers. The Beatles really did do everything first. Myths and Legends is written, scored, and produced by myself, Luke Brown. Story editing is by Victoria Adam. The voice of James Richards was provided by Ryan M. Saro. And today's episode is dedicated to James Richards. Wherever you are, thank you so much for the music. I hope this finds you. People asking questions.